ninja, ninja, ninja. Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 34 of A View to a Kaka Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Ninja Sentai Kaka Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show, we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. With My name is Matt J. With me, as always, is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how you doing today? I'm good, man. I am good. Uh, the twins, between both of them, only woke up one time last night. That. One of them slept the whole night, and the other one only woke up one time. Beth got a full night sleep, and I, I only woke up once for like 45 minutes, which is, listen, I'm not counting on this happening again. But for, for, but for I'll this take it, moment. For, for this moment, uh, I am well-rested, and, uh, and things are great. So, no, I'm, I'm killing it, man. Things are cool. That is very exciting, Dave. You know what else is very exciting? is that today we're going to watch episode 34 of Kaka Ranger. It's called The Bride's Sandy Hell. And uh, mm, there's a Dave, we're we this this one We don't work blue on this show, Matt. No, we don't. I've already watched this episode. We're in for a challenge. <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> it is a good one. Like it's a good episode or oh, a good yeah. challenge? No, it's a good okay. episode. Um but you will not be surprised after we watch this one to discover that they never turned it into an episode of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I'm excited to get into that, Dave. I genuinely am. But first, first things first, Dave, we have our award-winning opening segment. Dave, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? So our first star of the week, Matt, uh, like we often do, last week we watched Guardians of the Galaxy. It's been out. Uh, our assumption is is that if you want to see it, you've hopefully seen it by now. Last week we kind of did just like a quick uh, first impressions, but we thought we would talk about it. We would talk about it more this week because there are not enough people on the internet, Matt, talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. I feel like that's a gap that we can that we can really fill. Oh yeah, listen man. If, so, there's, if there's one thing the world needs more of, it's two dudes on a podcast talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. For sure, for sure. So, let's come out man, with our so own good. unique hot take. Dave, <laughs> Ooh, over actually, to you. Matt, <laughs> speaking of speaking of unique hot takes, Matt, I have decided I have decided on a name for my lifestyle brand. Oh, oh, please. Yeah, I can't believe I didn't think of this immediately. I'm just going to call it Dave World. Dude. Like, it's so it's so obvious, right? Well, I don't know if our listeners are familiar with the concept of Dave World. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, guys. So Dave World is a, um, what's the best way to describe it? Well, like now a, the best way to describe it is a lifestyle brand, but... Yeah, that's true. Formerly, formerly what Dave World was, it was sort of like a... Maybe like a psychic construct, if that makes sense. Or just like a way of thinking about it. But Dave World is an ever-shifting 15-foot radius around my person, like just around Dave, where everything just kind of works out for the best like 98% of the time. 
and like and that's Dave world and it just like things just work out things just work out for the best and so that's uh that's just where I live it's a great it's great let me tell you and let me be clear uh, I do not take any credit for Dave world I don't like make it happen I am just the grateful uh, beneficiary of Dave world and also I will say it doesn't Dave World isn't just good for Dave. Like, it doesn't just affect me. Like, it's just around... Like, if you are in Dave World, things also work out for you most of the time. Yeah. Eventually, yeah. at least. Eventually. Not, I'm not just to say the, that there, there have not been ill fates that have befallen the residents of Dave World. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, not everything isn't perfect all the time. I was just saying, like, things mostly work out for the good, like, 98% of the time. Uh... Yeah, and it's just, if you're in Dave world, it also applies to you. Like, it's for everybody. It's just that I'm the only permanent resident because it's just, it exists around my corpus. Yeah, and again, man, I just, uh, I don't make it happen. I'm just very grateful for it. Well, Dave, uh, you know, the existence and definition of Dave world actually brings us nicely back into talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. That was a weird full loop that I didn't plan to have happen. But you know what, Matt? Just kind of worked out for the best. Yeah. <laughs> because Guardians of the Galaxy largely centers around its own version of Dave World, except in that movie, it's Ego the Living Planet that is also Kurt Russell. Dude, I cannot. I was straight. Okay, so I did I did my best to avoid like any information about the movie. Because, like I've said before, one of the things I love about how they're running these Marvel movies is that even as a fan of the comics, they've changed things up enough that I do get to be surprised. And so, you know, like, Star-Lord's dad is not Jason, King of Spartax. It's Ego the Living Planet, amazingly. And Ego the Living Planet Matt, is also apparently a celestial in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Yeah, sure. Why not? You know, I, I kind of dig the idea that there's maybe different versions of celestials, although they've... Listen, dude, they met in no place, and they've thrown out the idea that Ego is a celestial. So if at some point I do not get Arashem the judge with that that formula on his thumb that, like, judges all life, I'm going to be real disappointed. I know how you love Arashem the judge. He's so good. He's so good. That actually, dude, that would be an amazing, that would be like a high-proof nerd tattoo. If you got his, like, thumb thing as a tattoo on your thumb, that would be amazing. That would be... I'm, I'm, I don't know that there is enough real estate on your thumb to fit all of the squiggly bits of that. And then, frankly, uh, you you'd know, have to walk around knowing that you had that responsibility. Uh, it's Yeah, that would be a heavy burden gave to something bear. the thumbs down, like life as we know it on Earth might end. <laughs> that would be it. But yeah, man, like... Oh, by the way, uh, to our listeners who do not know who Arisham the judge and the formula on his thumb that, like, judges and destroys worlds are, I apologize because I realize that that probably sounds completely insane. It does sound completely insane. So yeah, man, like, they got in Ego the Living Planet, Kurt Russell, I mean, like, unsurprisingly, Kurt Russell is great. Kurt Russell killed it as, as this crazy, like, Ego the Living Planet. It was a hard turn. It was like a hard, he did like a really great like hard heel turn, which I dug a lot. Oh, yeah. And listen, it's it's hard for, if part of your big scene 
starts off with you talking about how great of a song Brandy is. And then by the end of that scene, you have me rooting against you. You have done a very hard turn. <laughs> yeah. And all like, and you spend a fair portion of the scene, like just literally reciting the lyrics to Brandy. <laughs> Listen, it's an amazing song, Dave. It, yeah, no, it really is. It's a really, really good song. <laughs> I, d- I don't know any other songs by The Looking Glass, but I love Brandy. I didn't even, I literally didn't even know who sang that song. I just like the song Brandy. So yeah, man, they, it's Ego the Living Planet. It's a celestial. The action scenes between, uh, where Chris Pratt, sorry, Star-Lord, where Star-Lord is fighting Ego the Living Planet and he's like tapping into his like weird celestial heritage to like shape the rock of the planet to make like a giant like fighty suit was great. He turns into Pac-Man kind of. That's also awesome. It is awesome. It was, I mean, listen, we, we could go through and like list all of the crazy fun things about this movie, of which there were many. Um, of which there were many. If I had yeah, to definitely. have a complaint, actually, you know what? No, never mind. Forget that. I don't have to have a complaint about it. No one is requiring me to have any sort of like weird, like snot nosed complaint about a movie that I really enjoyed. So let's just forget I was about yeah. to say that. So, yeah, it was a uh, man. It was just a killer, killer movie. And I am like, like I said last week, I think it really was very much like a kind of a part two of three, but I'm super stoked about part three, man. Dude, They've got okay. like, and, and here's the nebulous that, out there. Yeah. Thanos is going to show up. Things are going to get crazy. And what I really love is that they managed to introduce the original team of the guardians of the galaxy. And then like Starhawk and like Martin X and Charlie 27 are up in the mix. Yeah, dude, I cannot believe that they managed to do that. Okay, so when we were first sitting down to watch this movie, um, the trailers for it were like Kingsman and Thor 2 and Wonder Woman. And like, it was just a bunch of, you know, it was it was a full on trailer watch scenario. Right. And uh, producer Mark, who watched the movie with us, leaned over and said, like, man, can you believe that these are the trailers that we're seeing? And I said, man, if you had told me when I was a kid that these were the trailers I would have been seeing in front of Guardians of the Galaxy 2, well, first of all, my response would have been, man, they put Charlie 27 in two movies? And then I had a big <laughs> laugh to myself because I thought it was hilarious. Because that's and obviously then Charlie hilarious. 27 is in this dang movie, Dave. I, dude, I can't, played by, uh, played by Ving Rhames. Yeah, I mean, very briefly, but still. Right. I am I am very much wondering if we are going to get because they were like the post credit scene with like uh what's his name? Starhawk, Starhawk and Charlie Twenty Seven yeah. and all these people. I am wondering if we are gonna get like a spin off Ravagers movie where it's like an Ocean's Eleven but in space and in comic books. Uh I would love that. I would also love th- if that meant that uh we somehow and I don't know how they would do it got major victory up in the mix because you know i love major victory yeah Uh, major victory Uh, by the way is like an alternate future version of a character called either marvel boy or justice who is a who in this version of his history was a astronaut who got like lost in space for like a thousand years and has captain america's shield and also telekinesis right because why not right why wouldn't you anyway why wouldn't you if you had the option? Major victory rules. Um, we should probably stop talking about Guardians and move on to other things. But it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So what, Matt, is our second star of the week? Okay, so second star of the week is that for, on 
like Monday through Wednesday this week, I was doing a little traveling for work and I went out to Kansas City for a couple of days. Yeah, we mentioned what well, we talked about it last week. Yeah. Uh, and so this is the follow up on this. Uh, dude, I know you've never been there, Dave, but Kansas I City, haven't. as it turns out, rules. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Like it is. Uh, let's see. I, I saw it written down somewhere that it is the Paris of the Plains. Right on. Um, I don't know why they came up with that name, but you know what? It's really, really nice. Like I, I took this big long. So if you if you listeners are familiar with the Kansas City area, we're in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, we were staying downtown by the convention center, and I took like a nice like mile or so walk from my hotel to Union Station, which is like this old train station that has been converted into like I think it's also still a train station, but now it's also like a museum and a venue like for a events. Coo- like a cool zone. Yeah, just like a, a, a cool area. And here's the thing right. about Kansas City. For that entire, like, mile-long stretch, I never left, like, the cool zone. I mean, I was walking down. I was literally walking down Main Street. But Oh, wow. Neat. Like, the whole stretch of the walk that I was in, I never left a part of town that I thought, like, man, this is a cool part of town. It was all a cool no, part of town. No, that's great. You know, man, and as residents and, uh, you know, advocates for Cleveland, I feel like we have a, a really strong affinity for cities that are like, you know what, guys? Turns out Kansas City is awesome. Yeah. Like, I'm sure people who live in Kansas City would be able to tell you, like, oh, yeah, dude, Kansas City rules. Like, it's great here. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, now I kind of want to go. A couple of highlights. First of all, okay, so there is an Alamo draft house there. Mother, mm, which I, I love the Alamo Draft which House I, so much. I didn't actually get a chance to go to it, but I remember walking past it, being like, "Oh yeah, sure, of course they put an Alamo Draft House here. Like this is the sort of like cool town that would have one." It almost yeah. seemed as though like they put an Alamo Draft House there. Like, well, now we got to put a bunch of cool stuff around it, and just sort of like built out <laughs> from there. I am, I am like perpetually sore actually that there is not an Alamo Draft House in Cleveland. They're so great. Like, they're really, really awesome. Um, let's see. What else? I saw... I did not go in. I only saw, like, the cool-looking neon sign. But there was a bar called the Kill Devil Club. Ooh, that's a cool name. Which definitely sounds cool and also definitely sounds like something from, like, Hunter the Reckoning, the World of Darkness game. Sure does. Um, Man, that's a weird... That's a good game. It's a weird game, but it's a good one. It's a very weird game and also very good. But Dave, the 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 highlight, the the crown jewel of my trip to Kansas City, is that I ate nothing but barbecue for like two days. Oh man! And let me tell I you, I love barbecue so much. Like I love, love, love some barbecue. And I've had really good like Carolina style barbecue. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been to Texas. But, I mean, I've had Texas style barbecue, but not in Texas. So I realize I'm probably not getting the full experience. But I don't. Uh, it's it's real, real good, dude. Yeah. But I don't feel like I had ever gotten, like, the full good version of Kansas City barbecue. And now let us be real quickly. I've never – so I've never had Kansas City barbecue, like, in Kansas City, obviously. And let us be very clear. We are not throwing down on any side of this debate. I think we've actually talked about this before, we like, have. last time I was in Texas. I'm a lover of all barbecue. It's, like, actually one of the only nice things about Cleveland not having its own barbecue style is that I can be a little bit more, like, ecumenical about it. Mm-hmm. So, so what, Kansas City, they're a saucy barbecue, right? It is a saucy barbecue. It's, I mean, it is also a, sit at, you know, put ribs in a smoker for 14 hours barbecue. 
but right, then, right, right. But, well, but then it involves a sauce instead of a dry rub. Right. Yeah. No. 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 I'm. I'm there with you. I'm good. Uh, I went to this place called Joe's Kansas City Barbecue. This was on the the Kansas side of Kansas City. Okay. Um. It was in a gas station. Nice. Okay. What I just said is technically true, but what I think is more true is that like this is a restaurant that has like two gas pumps out front and like a little area inside where you can buy cigarettes. Like it's not. Maybe it used to be more gas station than restaurant, but at this point, it is mostly a restaurant where you can also get some gas. I did read, Matt, a... I read, <laughs> there's a thing on the internet where some dude wanted to open up a restaurant, but it, like where like the zoning was weird and it was like difficult to get a restaurant permit, but it was easy to get a permit for a gas station. And so what he did is that he just opened up it's like technically a gas station. It has like one pump outside and then there's like a very, very nice restaurant inside. That's great. Um, but yeah, this uh, this food was amazing. The ribs particularly there were just out of this world. I just spent two days eating nothing but like ribs, brisket, and pulled pork. Went to another place oh, called man. Q39. It was more of a sit-down place. Uh, okay. I mean, listen, when I got home, I was very excited to sit down and eat a salad. But... Uh, in the moment, man. But in the moment. In the moment. Listen, dude. Nothing but smoke for a couple of days. I was gonna say, dude. Like when in Rome, you eat a bunch of smoked meat. That's the just do the thing. Yeah, that's what you do in Rome. Anyway, Dave, yeah, don't we worry have, about it. We have really dragged these first stars out. Let me. Let's try to bang out these last three and get into the episode. Yeah, Dave, we should be quick. What is our third star of the week? So, Matt, our third star of the week is I have, as part of Operation Morning Person, I, I've realized, Matt, that like I, I only get up really early three days a week. Okay. But those three days a week that I get up really early, I feel so good. Like, I feel really good, dude. Like, I've gotten up, I've worked out. But the the workouts that I'm doing, these hit workouts, like you're not supposed to do it every day. So I was like, well, I got to figure out something kind of in between. Right. Like right. something I can do. It's like maybe still like active, but it's not going to be like super intense. And I thought, well, what do I really like? What is what's important to me? Like, what's my I can't believe I'm saying these words, Matt, but I am a lifestyle guru now. What are my fitness goals, Matt? <laughs> and I thought <laughs> it's ridiculous, but it's true. And I thought, well, you know, really what I want is is I just want I'm starting to I say this. This is an insane thing to say, but it's semi true. I'm 34. Like I am starting to get older. Like I'm not older yet. But I'm like, I can see it. Like, I can see 40 on the horizon. Yeah. Right? That's not a that's not like an impossible thing that's in my brain. And I thought to myself, well, what I really want as I'm like moving forward in like my personal life journey or whatever, is I just want to be able to like move. I want to be like flexible and like able to move my body comfortably so that, you know, like, right. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to look out maybe like some stretching routines. Okay. And I found, I found, I get, he's apparently like super famous, but this dude's name is uh, Ido Portal. And I had heard his name before. And basically his whole thing is he just does like mobility training and like his whole, like his whole jam is just like, just having your body like really in tune with itself so that you can like move very comfortably and you're like flexible and strong. And I was like, yes, that's exactly like, that's the thing that I want. So I found some workouts and it's not even a workout. It's just like a very long stretching routine. Okay. Okay. And 
it involves it involves like uh foam rolling like you get a big like a big cylinder of of hard foam basically and you're sort of like leaning on it and like rolling around on it the idea being that you're sort of like doing kind of deep tissue massage on your muscles right Uh uh-huh which is like helping you with all these things and matt i did it once I'm, and I'm going to keep doing it because I've mentally committed to doing it. I did it once, and it is yet another step down the road of realizing, like, just how, like, just how, like, out of shape just I to am. The depths of yeah, like, how deep like, that goes. Yeah, because, like, okay, I have, like, we were swimmers when we were in, like, high school and stuff, and I've maintained, like, even for a dude who was like fairly out of shape and like pretty, you know, like overweight, I I've maintained like a, a pretty fair degree of flexibility. Like I cannot I can touch my toes and all that stuff. Like great. So it's like, okay, well I shouldn't be I shouldn't be too bad, right? Like I've lost all this weight, I've stayed flexible. Nope. Nope. Nothing He's doing. like, just do this thing. Nothing doing. Just do this thing. And like, roll this, like, roll your leg on this thing. And I was like, oh, my hamstrings are usually pretty loose. This shouldn't be bad. Nope. They weren't. They're kind of loose. Not as loose as this guy says they should be. <laughs> um, so, yeah, man, I'm doing this thing. But it does. It's cool, man. I uh, I feel, you know, I feel looser, I guess, which is nice because holding babies like seven or eight hours a day just nobody told me this amazingly matt somehow like i would have i should have figured this out right nobody mentioned this to me they're like oh yeah your baby will want to be carried all the time i was like okay that's you know whatever they're babies like they're small what nobody told you is that carrying babies nobody told me at least carrying babies like all day every day just like destroys your back like my back hurts so badly all the time (laughs) um but yeah, so that's uh, that's my new thing that I'm doing, and uh, and it's cool, oh, and I dig it. Nice. So, um, congratulations on your increasingly healthy yeah, lifestyle, thank you. Dave. Um, yeah. What is our fourth star of the week? So, our fourth star of the week, Matt, is that Steak and Shake is so good, Dave. It's I, so good. We we just we just stopped talking about how healthy your new lifestyle is, Dave. Yeah, no, I know, I know. Um, but yesterday the twins had a real, real bad day, and uh, they just opened up a Steak and Shake by us and we were like running out to get some clothes for the twins because they need clothes and beth was like hey do you want to get a milkshake because i love milkshakes beth said like do you want to get a milkshake because the steak and shake just opened i was like you know what you know what yeah yeah like trim healthy mama i'm a trim healthy mama but you can have a you can have a you can break plan now and again and so i was like yeah man i'm gonna have a milkshake and so I really, Matt, I des- I can't tell you how desperately I was hoping that Steak and Shake was not as good as I remembered it being. Oh, so that you could like just put it away forever? Yeah. So be like, oh, this was a thing I liked, but it turns out it's like it's not actually that great. Nope. Nope. That milkshake is so good. I just got a chocolate malt and it was... It was like low-grade magical. It was amazing. Now, part of that is that I consume very, very little sugar anymore. And so, <laughs> like, just like a pure hit of mainline sugar oh, yeah, dude. Uh, just really does weird things to your brain. But no, it was it, so good, dude. It would, they had the, the whipped cream on top and the cherry. Now, the important thing to remember 
uh, when you go to, to Steak and Shake is that the shakes are delicious and you should not order literally anything else on the menu. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They need to call that place Shakes and Nothing Else. Yeah. That is the better name for that restaurant. But, dude, it was. It was so good. Like, it was just as good as I remembered it being. Uh, okay, cool. And let's real quick yeah, wrap yeah, yeah. this up. What, Dave, is our fifth and final star of the week? So our fifth star of the week, Matt, is today is Mother's Day. Yes. It's Mother's Day. When we're Day, recording, so... not when you're listening. Yeah, not when you're listening. If, you, forgot to, if you are listening to this and you forgot to call your mom, it, I mean, you should still do it. Call your mom. but You should still do late. it. Too late. Ooh, actually, I should call mom. Um, the timing is weird. She's in Sweden. Anyways. Yeah. So, yeah, man. Happy Mother's Day to A, to our mom, to, to all sorts of moms out there. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy Mother's hey, happy Day birthday uh, too, to my darling birthday. wife. Happy birthday if it's your birthday. Either went today when we're recording or on Tuesday. Whenever you listen, if you're listening to this and it happens to be your birthday, happy birthday from us to you. Uh, happy Mother's Day to my wonderful wife, Beth, and to kind of all the mothers out there. And Matt, if you don't mind me getting slightly serious for just a moment. Sure. Uh, happy Mother's Day out there to uh, to anybody who has maybe like had babies and lost them. Um, been there, and it's real rough. Mm-hmm. But you deserve a happy Mother's Day too. So happy Mother's Day to you. Well, Dave, there's no good way to transition out of that sweet and very sincere thing into the bride's sandy hell, but we're sure gonna try. <laughs> 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 Man, I think you crushed it. That's about as good as I think anybody could have asked us to do on that one. Uh, so we're going to go watch episode 34 of Ninja Sunday Cocker Ranger, and we will be right back. Ninja, Ninja! Okay, welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode 34 of Ninja Sentai Cocker Ranger, The Bride Sandy Hell, just a normal episode of a regular TV show. Yep. Just everything's pretty cool. It's basically like an episode of Friends, except that at some point there's like some ninja stuff going on, but whatever. Honestly, it's hardly worth talking about, but... Yeah, I just... We're doing it. We've committed at this point. I mean, you're already, however, this long into the episode. You expect us to talk about it, so we might as well. So we'll we'll do it. We've got your attention. You downloaded the dang thing, right? Right, but, you know... So we start off, as we often do, um, with the Cocker Rangers and some children hanging around their crepe truck. Just chilling, having a nice time. And one of the children is hanging out with Saizo and says like, oh, hey, this is my master, like my mentor. Uh, I am his apprentice. He is the best crepe maker in the world. And he is going to like knock all of your collective socks off. Like, you are not going to be able to handle it. Saizo is entirely prepared for this level of uh, admiration. Pulls yeah, yeah, out yeah. He... two of those little, like, you know, like the wooden paddly the things cr- that you make? Yeah, the crepe spreaders. Yeah. He pulls out two of those and does, like, a cool, well, not a very cool pose, but a, a pose, at least, with them. Is yeah, like, it yes. is, uh, it's obviously meant to be a cool pose. Like, that's the... Like, you know, in Saizo's head, this is like a great moment. Like, this is a really cool, yeah. And what's wonderful about this moment is that the other four Kaku Rangers are looking on and thinking like, why on earth does this kid think that Saizo is any good at making crepes at all? 
Right, I think Jiraiya's is worst in the world, maybe. Like, they all all recognize that there is no way that this is true. Um, Like, they are all, on top of being cocky rangers together, they are also all crepe truck, like, co-workers. Like, they know the extent of Saizo's skills and that he's always trying to slack off. And then, so, the kid, his name is Naoki, uh, and he says, and I am, like, his apprentice. And then the other kids that are there... They don't say anything, but they also very obviously do not believe anything that is being said. So the only people that are invested in this are, in fact, Saizo and Naoki. And they are in the middle of posing. Like, they are posing together at this point. Yeah, they do a little thing where they're like, Master, Apprentice! And then they, like, cross arms with their... I'm sure... What is the name for this thing? Like, there has to be a name for it. I'm sure there is. I, I, if you want to look it up, I will continue talking about what is Man, going I'm on already, here. I'm already, like... As soon as I said it, I was already looking it up. So as as they're going, Saizo says, like, yes, like, you, I have recognized in you a natural talent uh, for being the best crepe maker in all of Japan. And since I am currently the best, and I'm saying it, you know that this has to be true. Yeah, okay. It's just called a crepe turner or a crepe spreader. Boring. Okay, that's less exciting than I was hoping for, but I yeah, appreciate me too. looking it up. Well, I feel like we, you know, once we raised the question, we had to answer it, so... So anyway, they, they turn to these kids like, well, you don't believe us? Then check this like, like check, check this it out. action out. And so they they go start making crepes. Like, it's not actually super climactic. Right. But they're making um, crepes, and they're sort of working together, like, as though Saizo is a surgeon, and Naoki is his, like, um, nurse. Just like, oh, hey, like, I need the jam. jam. I need, Stat. right. So they, uh, as they're doing this, we see a fancy lady in the background. Well, well, listen, she's fancy. She is Ish. fancy in the same sense that Fran Drescher from The Nanny is a fancy lady. Listen, uh, yeah, she is. She's fancy. I didn't say she was like classy or, you know, but she's definitely fancy. And so we see her, and she sort of sneaks around. Like, she's obviously a yokai. Clearly. Like, okay, so guys, if you are not watching... If you aren't watching the show, when we say, and this person is clearly a yokai, they always have, like, a human form. Like, they have a human form that is disguised, but sort of like... If, like, an alien was trying to be human, like, if, like, if wizards are walking around in the muggle world, like, they're wearing what are technically the correct clothes, maybe, but, like, they don't look quite right. That's that's what's going on with the yokai. Like, you can always tell, like, oh, that person is definitely the yokai. So she's obviously the yokai. And so she sneaks in around, like, behind the back of uh, Nakamaru. And she has like an urn, like a vase, like an urn thing with her. And she Mm -hmm. reaches into it and she pulls out a handful of sand, hence the title. And she throws it into the crate mix and then it sort of disappears, like into the crate mix. So you don't know that it's there. And then she laughs evilly and sneaks away. So they finish making the crepes and they hand them out to the kids. But the kids, when they take one bite into the crepe, the crepes transform into sand in their mouths. Yeah, and which is a shame because they are good-looking crepes. Like, you know, it turns out Saizo is not totally full of it. Like, he does like he did, he does make a pretty decent crepe. Yeah, well, I mean, at this at point, least he's this been time. working at a crepe truck for at least, like, 32 weeks. 
Okay, good point. Uh, so he's immersed. He's immersed in the culture. So, <laughs> so they go to take bites of these of these crepes, and they're like, obviously, they're like super. They they turn into sand. And I don't know. I really hope, like, for the like heads up, people, are, you're gonna see a lot of mouthfuls of sand in this episode. I am really, really hoping, for the sake of the actors in this show, that they figure out some sort of like that they had a substitute at least, so there's not actually just mouths full of sand because that sounds just like really, really awful. Yeah, like I, I hope that this is like sugar or something, but it looks gross as all heck. Well, I've been watching a lot of Heston Blumenthal specials on YouTube, Matt, and I can tell you that you can definitely make stuff that super 100% looks like sand and or dirt and or any number of other things, and uh, it'll actually be tasty and edible. So hopefully hopefully that's what they did here. Hopefully they did that and did not just like back up a literal truck full of sand and ask everyone to put it in their mouths for 32 minutes. Like, <laughs> guys, it's for cinema, guys. Just just do it. Suffer for your craft. So, so they they all take bites and they are spitting it all out. We cut oh and Sizo. No, and this is this. amazing. Thank you for not missing this moment, Matt. Sizo looks at this and is like, oh, it must have been a yokai. And here's the best part. It's not just that he doesn't that he blames this on a yokai, it's that the other rangers are immediately like, Oh yes, that is obviously what has happened. Because he says, like, I don't know what happened either. This must be a yokai. And instead of, I feel like in other Sentai shows, what we would have seen is the other rangers being like, no, like, haha, don't be a jerk, like, blah, blah, blah. And they'd be like, yeah, probably. But at this point, I do really dig the degree to which the rangers have just accepted that they live in a world that is filled with yokai and, like, strange things. And if something bizarre happens, saying, oh, a yokai must have done this is not an unreasonable explanation. Yeah, and everyone just accepts it, and they're like, okay, this is our new truth, and we can move on from here. We right, cut- like, now we just have to yeah. find out what's up with this yokai. Yeah. So we cut to the yokai lady, who is, like, standing off to the side, and she's saying, like, yes, ahaha, like... Like, it worked, I, I did it. And, like, and now, she reaches into her vase full of sand, she pulls it out, she sort of throws it towards the camera... And as the sand falls past the camera, there's like a little bit of animation where the sand becomes the title card of the episode. The next thing. Yeah, it was actually a pretty, I like they don't do it a whole, whole lot. Usually like it's just smash cuts, but I do dig that every once in a while they manage to get in like a cool. So we cut here to the next logical place, which is a helicopter. Yeah, what else are you going to do? So she is up in this helicopter, and I want to make this very clear. It might not seem important that I say this, but it will be in a minute. Uh, She is not flying the helicopter. Yeah, she's sort of leaving out the door. Yeah, sorry, she hasn't introduced herself yet. Her name is Sunakake Baba. And so Sunakake Baba, she is, again, just to be clear, a passenger in this helicopter. So she is like throwing sand everywhere and she's sort of like cackling as she does this. And then we're getting cuts down like from her to people, from her to people, from her to people. And what we're seeing is, is that this sand, everybody's food is turning into sand. And it doesn't seem to matter like where, if you were like inside, because we see people in a restaurant and their food is turned to sand. Like yeah. this is a this is an area of effect attack. Like she's hit everybody. Everybody's food is turning to sand. Yeah, and it's not just food. It's also liquid. Like we see some people go to a vending machine, try to purchase a can of something. That can is just full of sand. 
Yeah, I did not catch that at first because later the Rangers are going to go and try to drink, drink out of a fountain and that also turns to sand, uh, which is somehow like the food turning to sand is bad. Like all the water turning to sand is somehow like more horrifying. Yeah, and the people are horrified. Like you might not expect this to cause like people running panicked through the streets, but that is precisely what happens. Yeah, well, it's a very weird, like everybody is very thrown off by it. Like nobody knows quite what to make of this. So we cut back up to the helicopter, and she's sort of cackling as she is throwing the sand out. And then from behind... This is so... Oh, my gosh. I did not see this coming, amazingly. Because Nekamaro can fly! And also, we did not know this before, Nekamaro's mouth... Like, the front, like, the hood of Nekamaro opens, and inside, because it's a magical cat bus, it's not like an engine, it's just a giant cat mouth. Yeah, with, like, giant teeth. And so Nekamaro just runs, like, flies up and just bites the helicopter on the tail end. The helicopter, the helicopter goes down and crashes. Uh, Sunakake Baba tra- teleports out, like, as, like, a little ball of energy. The pilot, I guess, just dies. Okay, so this... I, I mentioned to you in the opening segment that I had actually already watched this episode, and I had the same yeah. thought, like, oh my gosh, Sunakake Baba has chartered a helicopter, and now that pilot is dead. Now in, that like, man is a dead. huge fireball. So when I was watching it again just now, I paused it to try to see the pilot, and okay. the pilot is a Dorodoro. Oh, okay. Well, that that's why, sorry, that is why I mentioned that she was not the one piloting this thing because I was like, this human pilot is just dead. Yeah. The fact that it's a Dorodoro actually makes me feel a lot better. Yeah. Now, what I don't know is how they managed to, like, get a helicopter pilot to wear a Dorodoro mask and not crash. Oh, that's a really good... <laughs> like, that not, is the practical concern that I'm worried that. about. Well, I did not even consider that they had to go to the guy who, like, uh, we would like to charter your helicopter. Also, you will need to wear this spandex costume. <laughs> well, wait a minute. I mean, this it's, it's is... a quick shot. I'm sure they did some, like, creative costuming. but You know, on the other hand, Matt, this is, the sh- you know, what leg- uh, what uh, season of the show is this? Like, 26, oh, gosh, 27? No, no, no. This is, like, ni- uh, 18, I think. 18. Okay, so it's very possible that this helicopter pilot, maybe he was a young man, maybe he grew up watching Super Sentai, and they were like, hey, we need a helicopter pilot to be in the thing, and you'll have to wear the suit. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. Like, give me that suit. I was born for this. I was born for this. Please. This is like my only problem with being a helicopter pilot, which admittedly very cool profession, was that I would never get to be in an episode of Super Sentai. Sir, you've made a dream come true today. Thank you so much. <laughs> so so the Dorodoro pilot is dead, but Tsunikake Baba survives. And so she, like, they land, the rangers, that is, like, they all hop out of Nekamaro. Like, they land and they hop out of Nekamaro. And she, like, turns into her yokai form. And her yokai form is hilarious. Because, like, she's like a yokai cougar. She's wearing, like, a very, like, revealing dress. Like, she's not, like, a crazy monster. Like, she has, like, her her skin is, like, pale white, and she does have, like, sort of a weird monster face and, like, a giant head. But aside from that, she basically looks like a person. Okay, here here is how I've been trying to frame it in my mind. Imagine, if you will, like, 
as you said, like a sort of stereotypical, like sort of cougar lady, right? Yeah. But then turn that person into a demon and then turn that demon into like a 1996 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles toy of a character that never appeared in the show. But it's like, oh, here's like Mutant Mama or something. And that is what you've got going on here. Yeah, crushed it. Crushed it, Matt. That's pretty perfect. I spent a lot of time working on this one, Dave. I felt very proud of it. Yeah, I was expecting like a Betty Boop because she does have kind of like Betty Boop proportions in there. Also, what's crazy is that like they put her like eyelashes on this giant suit are articulated. And so like her, she's like batting her eyes as she's doing all this stuff. Betty Boop reminded me because she, of course, is yeah, because she also has lashes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so, anyways, she she's like, listen, here's the deal. I am going to turn all the food into sand. Like that's my plan. All the food turned into sand. And the then, Rangers. Then, once all the food has been turned into sand, of course, the only thing that you'll be able to do is to throw yourselves in front of Daimao to like surrender to him. And then I guess we'll because, give you food and water again. Right. Like, this is... It's actually, like, a pretty brilliant plan. She's like, well, I'm just going to starve everybody out, and then you guys will die or surrender, which is brilliant. So she is... <laughs> so the Rangers are like, all right, well, obviously, we're not going to let that happen. So they just lead with Cocker Ranger Ball. Like, first move, Cocker Ranger Ball. So, like, they get the move off, and it looks like Sunakake Baba is going to be hit with uh, Cocker Ranger Ball. But then she just turns this vase on its side and she, this is actually, this is a great move. She catches the Cocker Ranger ball and then like dumps it out and the Cocker Ranger ball has turned to sand and then she turns it into the Sunakake ball and she kicks it back at the Rangers and they explode. Yeah. And like they get hit so hard that they get knocked out of their like Cocker Ranger costumes. Yeah. And she says, all right, this is it. Uh, This is Operation, and it's great because, like, they recognize that this is the joke in the show. And she calls her plan Operation Leave Everybody Starved at Barren Sand Hell. And, And like, the name of the operation is so long that she's sort of, like, pointing to all of the words as they appear on the screen. Yeah. Like, make sure that you caught it all. And here's what we now find out. She says... Here's what, like, here's why I'm doing this. Obviously, yes, I'm a loyal yokai, but when this plan succeeds, then, like, Daimau will fall in love with me and we will get married. And we get this great moment where all the rangers are like, wait, what? And then we cut to Daimau, and Daimau is like, wait, hold on a second. Right. He also has no idea that this was the plan. And we find out. That, according to Sune Kakebaba, at least, that she was engaged to be married to a bunch of different yokai that we've already seen. And we see and like that a those... little, like, montage of this. <laughs> like, her dreams of getting married. So it's like her and, like, a series of yokai up at the altar. And it's like, Azuki Rai and... Oh, who else was it? There was a handful of them. It was just, oh, yeah, like... Yeah, interestingly, Young Noble Jr., not on that list. Yeah, well, maybe he just was not, like, her style. I don't know. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, so she's like, well, <laughs> I was going to get married to all these other guys, but you killed them all. So so nothing doing, I guess. Like, I cannot marry 
I cannot marry those dudes. And so she's like, but now all of this is going to work out. I'm finally going to get married to Daimyo. So I guess thanks for murdering those other dudes because this is a way better deal for me. Yeah, uh, I'm definitely peace. punching up. I'll catch you later. And yeah, she and like so... blows them a kiss and like the kiss turns into like a big energy lips thing and she disappears. Yeah, we get a quick thing of her explaining this plan to Daimyo. And she says like, okay, I'm going to go do it. And he says, yeah, yeah, great. Good luck. Hope it works out for you. Like, go kill those rangers, and she leaves. And he just, he's like, I don't know why this old hag thinks I would possibly be interested in her. Yeah, and that is not Dave's paraphrasing, by the way. That is a yeah, quote Oh, yeah, from yeah, the yeah. Show. Sorry, I wouldn't have said that. That's an awful thing to say about a person who is also a literal monster. Right. But no, that's Daimu. So we cut to the conquer rangers like walking through a sort of you know public square jiraiya sees a fountain just runs into the middle of the like not a drinking fountain like you know a public a square fountain. sort of fountain yeah jumps in the middle of it and starts trying to like splash water in his mouth uh but of course it all turns to sand and yep. he is devastated yeah he's just and they're sitting around like, oh my gosh, if all food and water is sand, this is going to become a life and death situation very, very quickly. Yeah, like we do not have a lot of time. And then like one of the, they think they just, do they smell something or do they just wander off someplace? I think they smell it, something. Okay, so they smell something and they kind of like loop around back behind this building and it's Naoki and he has set up for himself like a tiny crepe station, like a tiny portable crepe station. He's got like a camp stove and a cooler. Yeah. <laughs> just a pan. And he's just, he's like back there making crepes. And he's made, it's kind of sad, weird moment because he's made a ton of crepes and is not eating any of them. He's just making more crepes. And he's the rangers run over. Up, Dave. Yeah. And the rangers run over and they're like, oh my gosh, these look so good. Can we have some? And he's like, yeah, go for it, I guess. And they try to eat one, and they all turn to sand, of course. And Naki's like, yeah, I thought that would happen. You know, because so, all food everywhere is doing it. I don't know why yeah. you thought this wouldn't. So this is like a weird headspace, I think, for Naoki to be in. Because clearly, like, he's making the crepes, and he knows that they're going to turn to sand. Because he asks, he's like, oh, yeah. like, Or he says, like, yeah, I thought that's what was going to happen. So he knows that he cannot eat these crepes. I get he's just like dedicated to making them. I guess in the hopes that at some point it will be better. Yeah, okay. So <laughs> like whatever the problem is, is will be fixed and then he will be able to eat these crepes. So they, they start talking to Naoki and they're like, listen, dude, like what what is your deal, essentially? Yeah, like you've got a whole thing happening here. Like, why are you so dedicated to the idea of making crepes that you're just, like, sitting in a, like, behind a building doing it for yourself? Yeah. Um, and he goes into this flashback. He's like, listen, I'm not good at school. And I'm not good at sports. And my friends like, all I'm make basically, fun of me. I'm basically not good at anything. Like, all of my friends call me Zero Point Nauki because, like, I'm, ne I'm just, I'm rotten at everything, apparently. Yeah, and we get this flashback of, like, them like, grabbing a quiz that he had failed out of his hands and, like, running around and mocking him. But then Saizo, in the flashback, runs up and, like, tells the kids to leave him alone. Yeah, like, and hey, back off, kids. 
And he hands Naoki a crepe. And Naoki takes a bite and he's like, oh, like, I'm not good at school. I'm not good at sports. But maybe this is something that I could be good at. Maybe, like, I right, can like finally this... have my thing. Right. Like, this can be this can be it. And so he asks Saizo. He's like, Saizo, you know, like, this is the dude who, like, saved him from his friends and has, like, whatever. And so he asks him, he's like, will you will you be my master and, like, teach me how to make crepes? And Saizo says, yes. And, like, it's this whole thing. He's like, Saizo helped me to be confident. And I think he does actually say the words, I never had a dream before this. Yes, this is the first time he had ever had a dream for anything in his life. Which is a little bit crazy to me because I feel like he must have dreamed about just being good at either school or sports, like, at some at some point. <laughs> Like, yeah, that's a mean thing know, to say, but anyways. I think there's a difference between, like, I wish I was better at stuff and, oh, here is a thing that I wish I, that, like, I can maybe do. Okay, solid. Good, good, good point, man. So he's like, this is it, man. Like, this is all I had. This was my thing. And now maybe it's ruined. I don't know. Right, because now and, all food is sand forever. You'll yeah. Note, his priority here is that he'll never get to fulfill his dream of being like the best crepe person in the world. Right. Not his that he will is die. Like, oh, I guess we're all gonna die in like a week. <laughs> so less than that, man. If all the water is, anyways, oh, yeah. that doesn't matter. Um. So, <laughs> so the rage is like, listen, Nauki. Now this is really. This is a moment of really solid confidence from the Rangers because they just say, oh, no, no, like, cheer up. This is temporary. Right. We're going to go punch this thing to death. And I mean, they don't yeah, say like, that. But... Yeah, we're going to go. Yeah, they don't. But they're like, we're going to go murder this yokai. Like, it's cool. You keep practicing making crepes for, like, when that is, like, when that is a going concern again. Like, yeah. it's it's cool. You're good. Give us, like, an hour. Right. Not even. I think at this point probably, like, seven or eight minutes. Yeah. So I think that is our, like, uh, like commercial break. Yeah. We cut back. Oh, and Saizo is like, ah. Like, there's something that clicks in his head, and Saizo has a plan. Yeah, and man, it is a plan. So it's an amazing plan. And so uh so we go to the commercial break and then when we cut back, like we're just immediately in we're immediately in a fight again. Like they don't like literally the first shot we get is Sasuke like diving towards the camera with a sword. So it is four of the five Cocker Rangers, everyone except Saizo, fighting yeah. uh Sunakake Baba. Babe. Right. And, and like, like they're fighting and they're fighting and they're, it's not going well for the Rangers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they are losing pretty hard. Although the plan that we are about to see is so good, I almost wonder if they're like throwing it a little bit because they, they really are. Yeah. There, so there is they... a moment in the fight, by the way, where Jiraiya is doing some like like close up hand to hand fighting with her. And accident, you know how it goes in like anything like this where somebody accidentally grabs one of her boobs. Oh, yeah. And then is immediately, like, mortified and starts apologizing while he's being attacked. Yeah, uh, it's pretty... Oh, yeah, we should something that you see anymore. I feel like that used to be a pretty common trope. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Although, we did not totally mention this. Like, I guess we implied it. The Sunakage Baba monster costume has... uh, it's just, it has giant cans. Like, it's really, 
she's endowed. Yes. And it that's not just a design choice. It's right. A, this it, is it's and, and, and listen. I can't believe we're saying this. It's a plot point. Yeah, like it's it's, it's an significant to the plot narrative. Point. Okay, so the Rangers kind of like get beat down and then like back off, and then and then Sizo's plan goes into action. This is incredible. There's clapping from behind Sunakake Baba, and she turns around to see who's clapping, and it's Sizo. And he is dressed in like his hair is slicked back and he's got a robe and glasses and earrings on. And without him even saying it, if you like if you had seen it, it is very obvious that he is disguised as the human form of Daimao. Yeah, so we've never seen a human form of Daimao, and apparently neither has Sunakake Baba. Yeah, my only problem with this is I don't think, oh no, the Rangers have. They've seen Daimao because they saw him in like a giant phantasm form. That's right. So like from this, Saizo has extrapolated like what he thinks the human form would look like and has dressed up like that. And he's, and Sunakake Baba turns around and she's like, who are you? What's going on? And he says, I thought you loved me. Like, don't you recognize me? It's me, Daimao. And she buys it. Because of course she does, because that's brilliant. Yeah, it's one of the best, like, listen, a lot of the times the Cocker Rangers have terrible plans. Uh, and they always work, because that's how this show is. But, like, a lot of their plans are very bad. But this plan... Sorry, I was just saying, we could expand that. I think this might be, like, the best tricky plan that I've seen in, in like, the entire run of the Super Sentai Brothers. Like, this is incredible. I feel like maybe Guy had a good tricky plan at one point in Jetman. But this is definitely... But I can't remember any of them off the top of my head. Uh, But yeah, this one is killer. And it's so well executed because the costume that he has whipped together is just so good. Like, he's got the right kind of glasses. The sort of, like, Dumbledore half-moon glasses. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, like, I did not need... As soon as I saw him, I did not need any explanation as to what this plan was. Um, so they, so he says, okay, well, this is lovely. Like, obviously I'm in love with you. Let's go for a walk. She transforms yeah, into her human form and they start like strolling through the park. Yeah, it's very nice. And so like, as they are, as they're walking, like we kind of get a quick cut away and he just starts talking to her and he says, so, um, like, what's your whole deal? Like, let's just get to know each other. Like, I'm tell me about yourself. By your fighting style. I'm enchanted by your fighting style. Uh, I just do want to point out that, like, Saizo, I've just spent, we've spent, like, five minutes praising this plan. This is an emotionally brutal plan. Like, this is an awful... Oh, it is like, astonishingly cruel. <laughs> yeah, like, if she were not, and I know I've said this a number of times, if she were not a literal monster, this, like, would not be okay. Yeah, I mean, but she is threatening to, like, starve an entire city to death, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, we can let it pass. Yeah. So he just says, but like, don't so don't do this. What? Like, if you're... Listen, if you're watching this and you think that this would be, like, a fun thing for me to do in my life, is, like, to pretend to be the human version of a evil monster. Okay, so this is probably not something I was you're going to say... in real life. Yeah, this does not have a whole lot of real-world application. But anyway, so he gets around and he says, so, like, yeah, babe, like, what's your whole what's your whole deal? Like, 
you know, like what's the source of your power? You know, like how do you get this this devastating sand-based fighting style? And, and Sunakake says, Baba says, and I, I wrote it down to make please. sure that I it was precise. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for doing that. For a moment, she almost sort of demures and doesn't tell him. But then she says, well, the secret, of course, is my big boobs. Yep. At which point she grabs her boobs. Yes. And then she says the phrase, and this is what I wrote down. Yeah. The evil sand packed in my boobs will destroy the world. And then she's already has two handfuls of herself and then she just sort of starts like shaking herself at Daimao Saizaomao Saizaomao wow that's a yeah and so she's just kind of doing that and then now he comes in from like now he comes around the corner he of course recognizes Saizo and I don't know why he's upset because he doesn't know what Sunakake Baba's human form looks like, but he clearly thinks something is wrong. Right. This this is the bit where the episode. Okay. Again, I can't believe I'm going to say this these words out loud. This is where things start to not make sense. Yeah. Everything up to this point has been spot on, but this <laughs> point is where things get a little hazy. Because Naoki runs up and he's like, Saizo, what are you doing? Like, how could you? How could you? I hate you. For, according to my notes, zero reason. Yeah, no reason at all. But it isn't. She, he does call Saizo, Saizo. And then Sunakake was like, hold up, Saizo, like, what is going on? And she sort of like knocks him back. And then what's great is that like i guess underneath the robe that he was wearing saizo did not bother to change the rest of his costume well i mean he was he was wearing like a full suit under there but as the costume gets knocked off it's not just the robe like the entire thing gets it's like a tearaway costume i guess oh okay and so she like turns into her sunakake baba form and like starts attacking for some reason, and they have not done this previous on the show, and it's kind of horrifying, when they have her turn into her monster form, it's not just like, ah, now I'm a monster. They do like that sort of mid to late 90s like photo merge thing. Yeah, where, like, where one it kind bleeds of... leads into the other, and it's this weird, like... You know how sometimes the cover of an Animorphs book looks really upsetting if you look at, like, the third or fourth frame of it? <laughs> That's what we got going on here. <laughs> yeah, except it just stops on that fourth photo. Like, it never transforms all the way. So she, like, they started attacking, and she opens up with her move, and her move is uh, Yojutsu Sand Hell, and she, like, blasts Saizo in the face with all this sand, and it blinds him. And she also, at this point, pulls out a giant sword. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's also a key. The sand is good, but ultimately, she's just gonna she's just gonna stab you. And not so, a giant foam sword like we normally see, like a foam sword that's shaped like fire or lipstick or whatever. Like this is just like a big katana that she's swinging yeah. around. 
And so she's like swinging it around and Saizo, he's, he's dodging. Like he's managing to not get stabbed at least for now, but he can't really take the offensive because of course he's, he's blind. So Naoki is like off to the side and he wants to help. He's like looking on, he's like, ah, but he, you know, like what's he going to do? Cause he's a kid. So Saizo pulls out his door on charger and he is about to henge. Like he gets as far as yelling super henge and he's like bringing the door on charger down to his chest to like do the move. And Sudakake Baba just says, not so fast, and knocks his door on Chandra out of his hand. So <laughs> now he's like, he's on the ground, and he's like, Naoki, dude, you've got to, like, help me out. You've got to find this door on Charger. I think he tells him what it looks like. He's like, it looks like a, I forget actually what he says. A uh, pillbox is what he says. Thank you. He's like, it looks like a pillbox. And Naoki's like, oh, uh, ah. And, and like, Naoki's still a little on the fence because he's still yeah. mad at him for reasons. But also, when Saizo reminds him that, like, if you do this, we'll be able to win and make creeps together, Naoki then Like, is, that's he, the push. That's what he needed. Yeah. So he, like, runs over. And he just, like, runs over and grabs it super fast. So obviously he knew exactly where it was. He was just waiting. He needed the motivation. He had the way he needed the will. And so, like, he runs over. He grabs the door on Charger. And he, like, he brings it over to Saizo. Saizo does manage to super henge this time, but still blinded. Yes. And so Naoki says, oh, it's okay. I will be your eyes. And just jumps on Saizo's back and like to get like a piggyback ride. So now Saizo is fighting Sunakake Baba with like this kid attached to his back saying like, duck, attack, kick. Yeah, we do get, for whatever reason, we do get, like, a quick shot of him, like, the, of sorry, of Saizo's view inside the the helmet, and he oh, does yeah. have, like, yeah, like, we've ne- literally never seen this before. They've never mentioned it. I genuinely assumed that, since this was, like, a magic-y Sentai series, that it was just like, oh, it's just a helmet. But no, he's got, like, a cyber readout in there. Yeah, like... It- it's not quite as, like, built out as the interior shots of the helmet that we would see in, like, Jetman. Yeah, but, like, it's definitely a lot more than I expected. Yeah, like, there are crosshairs and stuff. It's weird. Yeah, it was... Anyways, so... So, uh, just Naoki being on his back and, like, being his eyes and ears is, uh... It's weirdly effective. Like, I did not expect that. I don't know why I should have, because, of course, it would be effective. That it's it it's super effective. Like they totally destroy Sunakake Baba. It's so it's the, the, more the, the, amazingly yeah. Saizo with Naoki on his back is more effective fighting Sunakake Baba than they were just trying to actually fight her. So here's what they do to defeat her, at least at this scale. She'll grow in a minute, but obviously, uh, when the time is right in this fight, Naoki tells Saizo, like, now attack. Oh, by the way, Naoki was appropriately impressed when Saizo Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We did not mention that. But he's like, whoa, that's amazing. He's like, what? Like, he was impressed enough when Saizo was just a crepe maker. It's like a crepe maker and a superhero. Like, I'm losing it. What could be better? Truly. So Saizo hits her with a square cut, right? Yes. But specifically, just her in such a way... And there's no other way to put this. He he hits her in the chest and he cuts all the evil sand out of her boobs? Yep. 
and she actually says, she says like, oh no, my boobs are flat now. And guys, they did, just in case you were worried, they did make a different costume. Yeah, there is a separate version of the torso of this costume that is modified. Not, is modified, yeah, that has had a reduction. I just, they've made two parts. They made two costumes, dude. Okay. Like, I love the, I love the commitment. That they have made. Uh, okay. So, uh, so she goes down and she goes like, okay, fine. I will, I'm going to use gigantism on you. When she turns into a giant, her boobs grow back for and, whatever reason. And by the way, they're not just back when she grows. She grows to giant size and then they reinflate. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we get we get a phase, like another like camera phasey shot, like they grow back. So then okay, so he summons God Logan and he like fights for like a hot second and then Kakare Dai Shogun the rest of the Rangers arrive and then it's Kakare Dai Shogun. And um There's no Kakare Dai Shogun is very let's just say Kakare Dai Shogun is very uh focused in his attacks, like where, like they found the weak spot and Kakare Daishogun is just, just really, they got to get all that sand out. Just, just really punching her just right in the boobs, like as many times as he can. And like exploding punches, by the way. Yeah, exploding sparky boob punches. Um... Like the monkey Which, is shrieking, the 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 wolf hand is roaring, and they are just yeah, iron fists finishing right up in there. Uh huh. And so, uh, at one point, she does. She manages to get off like one shot. She knocks Hakare Dai Shogun back, and then God Logan like detach. He like locks on. He's like target lock. We see inside target lock like a robo. Like he zeroed in on her boobs. And God Logan like detaches like a giant wolf rocket missile, which is um, amazing. Yeah, and like I guess because he's a wolf, just bites her. No, no, actually, uh, he doesn't hit her there. This is the bit where he uh, does his like slashy, flippy thing and hits with his like blade tail, and he oh, cuts okay. her sand urn in half. Yes. Oh, yeah. Thank you. And so then like the fight, you know, the fight goes the way that the giant fights go. Like Yeah, exactly. Well, now that her sand urn is gone, she's like, "Oh, my expensive vase, the source of my power that isn't my boobs is gone. What'll I do?" And the answer is die. She yeah. will die. Die after being punched in the boobs a million times with giant robot fists. Mm-hmm. Which listen, that sounds like a pretty bad way to go. I know that I know that she's a monster and that I should not be sympathizing with her, but like, boy howdy. She's yeah. had a rough day. That's yeah. This day has not turned out how Sunakake Baba had hoped that it would. So she dies. That's it. And then uh, we just we go back to Nakamaru and crepes are back. All everybody can eat again. Hooray! Now can make some crepes. His terrible friends eat the crepes, and since now they're actual food and not sand, his terrible friends are like less mean to him, which I guess yeah. is an improvement. Uh, hey man, a win is a win, and. Apparently now he does make pretty good crepes. Like everybody is impressed. He found his thing, which is nice. 
And then, yeah, end of the episode, Saizo and Naoki do their little, like, master-student crepe pose. And the end. Yeah. So... So that's the end of that episode, but it's not the end of our episode, Dave, because it's we, not. we get to talk about Sunakake Baba just a little more to find out where she lands on the Creature Royale. Okay, I I actually am super into Sunakake Baba. I dig her, like, okay, she's got a weird look, but it's not a, it's kind of a cool look. If only because she's not like particular, like a crazy monster. Like she's just sort of like a human-looking person. Her plan is a super good plan. Yeah. Like, you know, like that's some lateral thinking, man. Like everybody else is just trying to like literally kill everyone. They keep getting rocked by the rangers. Just try to starve everybody out. Like she's effectively sieging. Like she's besieging the world. Like, that's smart, dude. Like, that's a good plan. Yeah. Uh, She gets some points for me, at least, just for, like, honestly, as, like, a sympathy factor. Like, I feel she's, she has some, I have some empathy for this monster. Like, she just wants to get married. Yeah. Yeah, and, and things do not go her well, or go well for her a number of times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, I, I'm so actually... I don't know, man. Now, here's the here's the thing. Like, all of those things are true, but she's not very, like, cool. Yeah, so, like, what's cool? What's cool is, like, a cool ninja monkey that, like, steals your special moves. Yeah, you know? like, that's cool. Like, Yojutsu Sandhel, that's a cool name, but she's not, she's not cool, cool. Um... Don't let me look. I'm sort of looking at the bottom of this list, and I like her more than a number of these people. Um, because her plan, like again, her plan is pretty cool. Uh, I like her better than I like her better than Kappa and Rokurokubi. Yeah, I could say that. I think I like her. I like her better than Bakaneko. Okay, I like her better than Bakaneko. I I don't like her better than Copy Empress. Okay. Like, definitely. Well, between Bakanaku and Copy Empress is Kanagama. Kanagama. That's like the machine. bad slot machine with the bad luck coins, right? Oh, that messed up that okay, baker. No, I'm going to put her below Kanagama. I really like yeah, that. Yeah, but I, I do like her better than Bakanaku. So that puts her in at 36. Okay, sounds good. So. Uh, Matt, just real, uh, sorry, quickly. So I was typing in Sunakake Baba into the list and I, I, so I always put next to the yokai monsters, like I put a little description because like their names are not always enough for me to remember like who they are. Yeah, sure. And, uh, I just want to point out that we did get through this entire episode without realizing and making a joke about the fact that Sunakake Baba is a literal sandwich. Like she's a sandwich. Huh. Well, yeah. You know, I don't know if I'm excited about that or not, but it is a true thing. I I, I got to admit, I'm a little disappointed in this, Dave. Yeah, a tiny bit. So, anyways, uh, spot thirty six, Sunakake Baba, the sad giant boobed sandwich. What a what a time we've had here. You know, Dave. Every once in a while, I think that Super Sentai, while it can still delight me. 
it, it can no longer surprise me. I, I feel like I've kind of seen it all. And then we get and this, then... an episode like this. <laughs> and it just, it, it never fails to really, really brighten my day when they can still manage to pull one over on me. I do... No, it is nice. It's nice to know that there are still some surprises, I guess, left in the world, Matt. But that, I think, is going to do it for us. Yeah, that is going to do it for another episode of A View to a Cockeranger. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all that you can email the show at supersentaibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out the things that we're talking about on Twitter, we are at Bros. If you like the show, please remember, shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Please rate and review, subscribe on iTunes. That's what's going to help new people find the show. Also, I don't know how you rate and subscribe or do all those things on Stitcher, YouTube, and the other places that you can find us. Uh, but if but those that are would options, be great. just uh, give us... Help us know, out. Do, do the thing. Uh, Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Uh, to find all the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can locate them at retrogradeorbitradio.com. Once again, we're the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we will see you next week for the greatest show on earth.